Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Amy. Johnny and I are married. If you are new here and you have uh, no idea who we are, that's uh, who I am. And uh, if you're here uh, visiting us for the baptism, um, a huge welcome from me um, as well. And anyone else who's visiting us uh, this morning, then huge welcome. Um, we are, uh, we're sort of in a bit of a, um, we're sort of in a middle ground. For those that have been tracking with us uh, for uh, we have been diving hard into Revelation. Uh, how's up? You've been here for... Who's listened to all the Revelation? Oh, look, well done, Jane. Very good. Well done. Uh, you, 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 you have stamina. Very good. Um, well, we have spent a long time unpacking um, Revelation, which actually has been so brilliant for us that have been teaching it, but also for us listening. Um, and if you want to follow up on any of that, go to YouTube and you can hear all the um, sermons there. But we're left, and Anna spoke beautifully last week about tears, and again, really recommend, felt really prophetic message for us as a church. Um, so go back and listen to that. And, um, but we find ourselves in um, a bit of a kind of middle um, ground. We've got like a, a, a couple of weeks before summer hits where we're going to uh, do a summer series. Um, and Johnny and I, uh, we felt like it would be a good couple of weeks for both Johnny and I, me today, Johnny uh, next week, to just have a bit of a, what are we seeing? You know, what are we, what are we seeing? Where are we at uh, as a church? And how can we sort of press into it further? So that's kind of where we're at today. Some of the stuff I um, am going to say for some might be like super simple. And it'll be like, oh, you know, yeah, okay, that was super simple. Maybe it's a reminder, perhaps. For others, um, it might be a bit of a wake-up call. It might be um, fresh and new. Um, and for visitors or for anyone who is in here who thinks I'm crazy, that's okay too. Um, you can just think I'm crazy, that's fine. <laughs> um, but we have, uh, as you know, we have, um, we've sort of, it feels like we've been entering into a greater hunger, it would seem, um, over the last couple of months, particularly um, around intercession. And, uh, and we have seen um, this sort of, this hunger um, erupting within us um, for intercession, um, but also this awareness of the brokenness. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to see uh, the broken city and the broken world, but there's this sort of, this heightened intensity um, of the awareness of the state of the world that we live in and the state of our city. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it's fueling prayer. I believe. Um, and we're seeing intercessors step into the gift that they carry in greater measure. Anyway, so we are sort of um, speaking about this um, as a team and as a leadership team. We were saying, you know, how do, we, how do we press into this more? And one of the ways is that we're going to be praying over July, which we have a lot. We started last Wednesday. Um, we're going to be praying across the city in all of our, um, our table church um, uh, locations. Um, but we felt like there was more. We needed to, like, step in more um, to what God was doing. Anyway, so we sat uh, as a leadership team, and I, you know, we were sort of saying, oh, I feel like we need to step in more. And then we had this great idea that, um, well, we should, we should just um, get rid, we should clear our diaries, um, and we should pray for three days in a row. You know, do nothing other than pray as a team for three days. 
Anyway, we were all like, yeah, it's such a good idea. Let's do that. Let's do that. And then we were like, okay, well, let's look at our diaries and see, you know, when we can fit in three days of prayer. And it was hilarious. And I'm, you know, this is humbly speaking to you, but we were like, oh, we can't do it. Oh, we can't do it then because we've got that meeting. Or, oh, we can't do it then because that's going to knock on to that. And, and literally, we're going through the diary. And then we suddenly woke up and we were like, what on earth are we doing? What on earth are we doing? that we can't block off three days and trust the Lord with our to-do lists to come together to pray and intercede for what God is doing in our city and beyond. So we all sort of had a bit of a wake-up call, and we're like, oh, my goodness. So we said, we're going to do it now. We're going to do it now. So we called the team and our beautiful, uh, flexible team. Uh, you know who you are. Um, we said, we're going to next week, we're going to take Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and we're going to pray um, for our city. Um, and so they, everyone cleared their diaries, and that's what we have been doing. And so, uh, so last week, uh, we went to uh, St. Andrew's, and we met there, and we prayed here again on Wednesday. And, um, and we basically, um, we just sort of allowed the Lord to guide us, you know, as we, um, as we prayed um, over our city and uh, for this church and the direction of this church and our leaders and the diocese and worship. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. We spent a lot of time actually praying, particularly for um, schools in our city and the emerging generations, that God is doing something really powerful um, amongst the emerging generations. But what came out of our time of prayer is, um, is an awareness once again, and again, for some, you're like, yeah, um, but is an awareness of the battle that we are in. There was so much military language, you know, in our prayers and the, and the imagery that came up as we were praying um, that we are, in, um, we are in a battle and the Lord is asking us to join his army, basically. And so we sort of... Um, that sort of manifests itself in um, a heart's cry, you know, that God is placing his heart within people. And maybe some of you are in this space feel that, that you are crying out to the Lord in ways that you haven't before. Perhaps you're walking past institutions or schools or hospitals or the prisons or just people on the streets or your workplace, and you're like, you're broken a bit more. It's like you're, ugh, the pain of it is going deeper. I believe that's what the Lord is doing within us. He's putting a cry of intercession um, within our hearts because we are in a battle. What's emerging in our prayers, and again on Wednesday um, evening when we pray together in St. Andrews with our whole church communities, is, um, is just this, um, is a, is this defiance for things of the enemy. <laughs> There's this sort of, um, this kind of uh, holy anger for where the enemy has taken ground. And, uh, and voices are being released within our community. You know, people who barely say a word are like coming out with these like amazing prayers. You know, it's like, yes, release the voices in intercession. It's like, it's amazing what the Lord is doing. Anyway, all that to say, um, what we feel really clearly is God, he has been and is preparing an army for war. And so what I want to sort of frame uh, in the next 10 minutes um, is, is firstly, what battle are we in? For some that are like, what on earth is she going on about? Um, what battle are we in? Who are we fighting? Who's the army? Who is the army? How do we fight? And what are the weapons? <laughs> do you think that's going to be 10 minutes? Yeah. Johnny's like, crack on. Okay, I'm going. Okay, so firstly then, 
What's the battle? What is the battle we're in? Who are we fighting? Okay, it's Sabre Red. Ephesians 6, verse 12. You want to open up, we're going to sort of camp there a little bit. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, obviously, we see evil in flesh and blood. You know, it doesn't take a lot to see, as I said, around us, all the pain and the misery and the despair um, and the oppression around us in our world and city. However, what I want us to get this morning, and again, I know some of you are already on this page, I really want us to get that this isn't merely flesh and blood. It isn't merely flesh and blood. It's not just what we can see going on with our eyes. And the origins of this, again, Genesis 1, God creates, doesn't he? He creates a beautiful, ordered reality out of chaos. He, he creates it out of chaos, and he creates it where life can flourish, and he appoints humans to be his representatives. They, he, he appoints us to rule and to, and to, and to look after um, his good world. And he says it's good. He says humans are very good. He marks it with his approval. And then we see, don't we, as we read on in Genesis 3, that we see there's a snake creature that comes uh, into the story. And, uh, and this creature is in a state of rebellion against its creator. And, and, this, and this creature's mission is basically to destroy and ruin God's good world for all other creatures. And so, Long story short, because it's another sermon, humans fall into this temptation um, of this creature, this snake creature, uh, in the temptation to be like God. You can be like God, knowing good and evil. You can have all the power. And they fall into that temptation. They eat this fruit. Um, and from that moment, darkness and sin enter in to the human heart. Spiritual darkness in that moment takes a grip. It's like has a hold on our hearts and how to hold on our lives. And we read about the curse. We, there, there's a, then there's, the curse has come. It curses the snake, curses humans. And we're all basically kicked out of the garden, um, how the story goes. And then what we see then as we um, read through the scriptures is that there is evil then at work throughout the, throughout the scriptures. There's, there's evil at work behind the scenes you know, behind the natural, basically spreading evil in us and the world, in our, through our personal lives, through, uh, through families, through relationships, through power, power structures, all of it. Basically, spiritual evil is involved in anything to bring the world back into the chaos, to bring the world back into darkness, back into corruption. And um, I don't know whether any of you have heard of the Bible Project. I'm sure you have. Um, but I love it, absolutely love the Bible Project. I think Tim Mackey, who heads up, has got a, a very humble spirit, um, and with his um, ridiculous mind, it, and it, it's such a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful tool, I think, for his church, uh, for the Lord's church. 
um, to, um, to press in deeper into these themes um, because he always brings it back to Jesus. That's the sort of key for me. He's like, whenever he's speaking, the Bible Project always brings it back to Jesus. Anyway, they've done a whole podcast on spiritual beings, um, the spiritual realm, the demonic, all of that. Um, and so if you are someone who's like, ding, 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 I want to go deeper, I would highly, highly recommend going onto their app um, and going through some of their podcasts, listen to some of the stuff that they've done, um, some of the interviews they've done um, around this area. It's, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Um, okay, so uh, sin entered the world, bringing back to corruption and darkness. And, uh, and we know the story, uh, for those that, that, that know and are familiar with the story, um, that although this has happened, the rest of the Bible is God's relentless mercy his relentless mercy to bring us back to himself um, by ultimately conquering this grip, by coming defeating the grip of evil that it, that, that, that it has on our lives and through our lives. Um, and he does this through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Basically, the grip is removed uh, through Je- Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. However, although the sting is gone, Although uh, Jesus has has conquered and defeated this grip of evil in and through us, um, we're still in a battle because until Jesus comes back and puts all the schemes of the enemy to death once and for all, we are living in a spiritual battle, as Paul suggests, as we've just read in Ephesians. But this isn't without hope. This isn't without hope that I'm going to go into in a minute. So, our struggle is not only with flesh and blood, it is a deeper spiritual evil that's going on. And, uh, and if you haven't already, I think it's really important for us as a church that we need to wake up to this reality, because it's the only way that, it's the only way that we're actually going to fight, and we've got to fight differently. You know, we live in a culture, and maybe some of you in the room are a bit like this, you know, we live in a culture where we believe that everything has a natural cause, you know, all the problems and the suffering and the pain of the world, they're, they're social or they're uh, scientific or natural. Perhaps you, it's all economic or political. And then what that leads us to is we basically um, begin to blame these things as the root of evil. And they're not the root of evil. Sure, they're manifestations and evil is, way, is involved in them, but it's not the root of evil, which in turn, basically means that then we think, if it's all natural, if we think we then have the ability to fix. We think we have, in our own strength, the ability to, to solve these big problems in our world. Or honestly, we fall into despair because it's just too grim. We fall into despair and we don't think there's any way out. It's just too pervasive. How, how can we live like this anymore? Perhaps you're in one of those camps. But the idea that we humans can fix this root of spiritual evil or think up solutions to solve darkness is just wearing thin. And we're feeling it. It's wearing thin. And quite often as we, you know, in our strength, try and fix it or solve it or do what we can do without... without submitting to the Lord, in some ways we cause more pain and we cause more destruction in our own efforts to try. You know, we, we can't fight a spiritual battle in the natural. 
And I was woken uh, to this a few years ago. Um, and I've got quite a decent understanding of um, the enemy's tactics and schemes in my own life. You know, I've, I've, I've battled lies of the enemy and, and ways in which he's held me back and all of that. And um, so, I, I, you know, I'm familiar um, with how the enemy works. Um, but I was having a conversation with Steve Richardson, who... Um, uh, who he came here, I think, last week. Was it last week? Two weeks ago. And uh, anyway, I was in a conversation with him the time he came before. And I was sharing, he was asking about my heart, and I was sharing um, my heart's um, cry for women. Uh, and I was uh, telling him my, um, my story about uh, my passion for the, for the orchard um, and how I'm wanting um, women to be released and set free. Um, and I was just sharing about the, the pain I feel um, of the oppression of women across the world, um, where women have been silenced and, um, and, and, and pushed down and all of that. And I was like, oh, you know. Um, and, uh, and as we were praying, we were praying in our front room. And, uh, uh, and as we were praying, he basically sort of you know, opened his eyes in a very Steve way. He just looked at me and he said, the orchard, you know, is a vehicle to push back darkness. The orchard is warfare, and we've shared that in the orchard before because uh, Rachel shared it in one of her sermons too. But in that moment, I, a fire, went in my belly. <laughs> I don't want to just muck around with, you know, setting up good little women's events. It's like, man, if this is warfare, oh, if this is pushing back darkness and oppression that silenced women and all of that, I am in and the reason I'm in is because it's so beyond me. It's so beyond me. It's so beyond uh, my ability. This is the fight of God. And I want to be in a fight of God. I want to be in the fight that he's in because I know he's the winner, <laughs> basically. And so it put a, a, a sort of, um, it put a fight in my belly. You know, not on my watch, not whilst I'm alive. Am I not going to have a part to play in the battle that you're in, Lord? And I feel that's one example, but I feel for some of us, it's this waking up of like, oh man, what, what's actually going on in my workplace? What's actually going on in my family? What's actually going on in my heart? You know, what, what, realm, what eyes need opening to see what is actually going on, to put a fire in our bellies, to fight in the Lord's strength. Okay. Just to ground it, I'm aware, really aware, that I know that some, um, you know, people really struggle with this and really struggle with um, the idea of even demonic forces, and I really get it, but I do highly recommend going to study. And the reason that I'm going for it this morning is I believe that if we don't understand, if we don't understand that the struggle isn't with flesh and blood, but with powers, principalities, and etc., we just won't be able to defeat the darkness, we will be defeated, and he's raised up the church to be his hands and feet on the battleground. You know, the battle is beyond us. It is beyond us. It's beyond me. It's beyond you. It's God's battle. This is God's battle, and he's asking us simply to join in in the battle that he is fighting. And so we are fighting um, schemes and strategies of the devil that Paul, that Paul writes Basically, anything that brings back to disorder and, disorder and darkness. And um, again, just a, I can't share everything I want to here, but um, again, Google um, Tim Keller, um, spiritual warfare, and listen to his sermon on spiritual warfare. It is 
unbelievable. And he goes into how, um, how lies and interruptions and, and, and how we sort of fall in and collude with um, spiritual um, evil. It's amazing, but I haven't got time to copy it, basically. Um, so go and, uh, go and listen to uh, Tim Keller. Okay, to them. Secondly, who is the army? They're not as long as the first section, I promise. Okay, so who is the army? The army is us, right? <laughs> the army is his church, you and I. And um, a, a few years ago, I, we were sat, I think we were downstairs actually, and we were worshiping and, and we were praying about and God raising up an army and all of that. And, um, and I was like, yeah. And I felt like the Lord saying, yeah, I am raising up an army, Amy, but I'm raising up a weak army. And, uh, and I was like, oh, a weak army, Lord. Um, <laughs> and he was like, I'm raising up a weak army. And weakness isn't like moral weakness, you know, not that kind of weak. Weak in the sense of totally and utterly surrendered upon his ability, his strength. You know, having an army of people who are like, I am all in, Lord, no matter what, abandoned to um, his will and way. That's the army he was wanting to build up. And we've seen that, haven't we, in our community? I feel like over the years, we've, we've, we've seen these waves of, like, deeper devotion, these waves of, like, deeper surrender. You know, I, we can't not talk about surrender here at Trinity in some ways. But he's been leading us in to, um, into that, in, into this army that he is um, raising up. And, uh, and over the last couple of weeks, when we think about this army, I have been um, reflecting upon Gideon's story in Judges. And actually, Luke Meadows has too, which is interesting, isn't it? Um, but I've just been like, uh, yeah, having a little read of Gideon, Judges, basically. Um, and I got to Gideon, I thought, oh, this is so interesting. And um, I think it sort of speaks to the moment that we're in. Uh, and for those that aren't familiar with Judges, it's basically, Judges is before kings, uh, before there are kings to come and rule the land. They're in the promised land. And, um, and basically, Judges is a collection of stories where the Israelites fall into worshipping idols. Um, they, get, they get oppressed because the enemy comes and oppresses them. And then, um, and then they cry out to God, please have mercy upon us, please. He then brings a deliverer, a judge. They then go into, um, they, basically, the Lord then... Uh, delivers them, and then they go back into worshiping idols, and then they cry out again, and da, da, da. literally the spiral in Judges is like going down and down and down. So that's that. And one of the one of the uh, men that we read about is Gideon, uh, and uh, and so Gideon Judges six. If you want to turn to it or read to it, um, I'm just going to sort of uh, touch on it really. Um, There's so many things that you could talk about within uh, the story of Gideon, but I'm obviously not going to. Um, but what's really interesting about this particular, um, uh, I guess, moment is how God prepares them for battle. That's the key. How is God preparing the army uh, of Gideon into battle? Uh, and we read that Gideon basically um, is appointed by God, and, and he meets this angel, and he keeps saying, you know, is it you that I'm just going to, can I test you one more time? Are you sure it's you, you speaking, God? I'm going to, can you, you know, sort of like puts the fleece out and all that stuff. Um, I have massive sympathy, by the way, for Gideon, because I'm like, are you sure, Lord? Give me another sign. <laughs> Always. Uh, but that's what he does. So he's asking God constantly for signs. Um, that is him. Anyway, Gideon then builds this massive army massive army full of, you know, many, many men. And, uh, and what's really interesting is God's response. God says to Gideon, uh, chapter 6, verse 7, says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel will boast against me, saying, 
My own strength has saved me. God's not having it. God's not having the big army, is he? And so what he does then in the book of Gideon, in the story of Gideon, is he then strips the army back by 22,000 men to start with, because he says that, you know, basically he says, who's trembling with fear? Okay, let's get rid of those. I want the, you know, I need people who are trusting that I can deliver them, the fearless. And then there's still too many, so it's still too many. And so he does this, uh, you know, so he basically um, says to take the, take the men to the water and see how they drink. And, and some people, um, you know, sort of kneel down to take the water and other people stand and lap it up, you know, like dogs. I mean, I went down a unbelievable rabbit hole the last few days <laughs> uh, reading about why do people lap it up and why are some people kneeling down? And actually, it's whatever. It, there are so many multiple ideas of what that is. But some people think that, you know, if you're kneeling down, you're not army ready, so he gets rid of them. You know, who knows? Um, but anyway, his point is he's stripping back the army. He's stripping back the army um, because he wants an army that is not in human strength. He doesn't want an army that's in his strength because he's the deliverer. He wants an army that knows he's the deliverer, <laughs> basically. Um, and so we too then are entering into the battle in his strength. That's all he's asking of us. Will you enter the battle in my ability, in my strength? Because that's the only way it's going to be won. It's the only way it can be defeated is, is if God is, is fighting. And so he's raising up an army confident in the Lord. You know, perhaps some of you, uh, you know, perhaps some of you in the army right now um, are feeling stripped back. Or maybe you've, you need stripping back. Where are you utterly reliant upon your own strengths and strategies? And he's like, oh, no thanks. I want you to rely upon my strength and my strategies. Perhaps for you it's less strategy, more prayer. Maybe it's seeking God's strategies for your family. God's strategies for your workplace. God's strategies for the addictions within you. You know, it's worth noting that I think trusting God to be in charge of the battle, to be in charge of the strategy, is being okay when things don't make any sense at all. And what we read in Gideon is, um, it's, again, as we get to the end of the story, it's hilarious because they win by a stripped-back, small, remnant army, and... They win by blowing trumpets, holding glass jars in their hands with torches in and smashing them. <laughs> you know, it's like that probably wasn't on Gideon's strategic plan, but that was God's strategic plan. And so I think we need to be okay if we're going to join into the, his army, be okay with his strategy looking very, very different to our strategies you know, God ways, God's way to battle are, are not ours, basically. His ways are upside down. Often I'm like, what? You're fighting it with mercy? You're fighting it by washing their feet? What are you doing, Lord? That's not the strategic plan. Come and tear them down. Come and rip apart. And he's like, no, no, no. I just need you to trust in my strategies. 
we were praying for some schools on uh, at, at St. Andrews on Monday, you know, and we were praying for breaking strongholds over um, schools in our city and really going for it. And one of our team was like, Do you know, I really feel, and you know, she was being obedient to what she felt. I really feel like we need to get up from our seats and we need to circle the room. And, uh, and as we circled the room, like they did in Jericho, um, you know, we're going to circle the room and we're going to march and we're going to pray our prayers. And someone had a drum and was beating the drum. And then we were like, you know, really praying in the spirit and da da da. And, uh, and so we were like, okay. <laughs> so we did as a team and we circled uh, St. Andrews and went, you know, a bit wild, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I was thinking, if someone walked in, <laughs> they'd be like, what on earth? are they doing? But do you know what happened in that moment, which I totally believe in my spirit? Something was broken. Something was broken in the schools. I really believe it. You know, stronghold was broken as we looked absolute idiots, as we raised our voice, not caring what anyone around us thought, giving God our passion, not being timid. Something was broken. Are we willing to Follow his orders, I guess is the question. Okay then, how do we fight? We fight, we simply put on Jesus' clothes. We fight by putting on his clothes. Verse 14, we put on the armor of God. And um, I, I, love, I love this. I basically, when I think about this, I, I see it as I am clothing myself in Christ. This is how I hide in Christ. You know, I'm nothing in me, you know, but I can put on the clothes of Christ, the armor of Christ, and I am hidden in his armor. This is how I hide in him. And this is what we've been given. We hide in his victory. The armor is his victory, the belt of truth. In Jesus, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I clothe myself with that. The breastplate of righteousness. Through Jesus, we are made right in Christ. We are made right with God. Shoes of the gospel, the good news. Jesus is the power to save. I put on his, the shoes of Jesus' ability to save and to bring uh, the good news of what Jesus has done. The shield of faith. We, f- we have faith in Jesus leading to eternal life. The helmet of salvation. In Jesus, we're saved by grace, no merit of our own. We can all put on the armor, however broken you feel this morning, however worthless and corrupt your life is, we can all put on the armor of God. That's why it's in Ephesians. It's all about unity. No one doesn't have the armor to put on. We all come equal at the foot of the cross, putting the armor of God on. And we carry the the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the word of Jesus to defeat the lies of the enemy. This is how we defeat the strategies and lies of Satan, within us and around us. And we fight in victory because, I said, because Jesus has ultimately conquered. And this also means then that as we fight, we've already died. We've already died and we have risen again with Christ in resurrection. And this makes us fearless. You might not feel it. I don't feel fearless. Uh, but there is an invitation into fearlessness. And it just even thinking about Esther, you know, in the Bible, where she's like, she goes into her battle, that whatever her battle was then, and she says, do you know, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. She's living in an eternal perspective. We can be fearless because we've already died with Christ. We're in eternal life. 
that's what it means to fight fearlessly. And we, um, we push back the darkness by entering into the light. And I think we, we fight because we hate what is evil and we cling to what is good in Romans 12. So many more things to say and I'm sifting, I'm sifting. Okay then, so what are the tools? I'm not going to go into all the tools because again, it really would be uh, another sermon, but um, we know that in 2 Corinthians 10, he says the, the, the weapons of the kingdom aren't the weapons of the world. It's divine power to break strongholds. And John, you might go into some of this, maybe, maybe not. But the tools we have are spirit tools to break the hold of the enemy in and around us. But what we are seeing and the weapon that we are we have been given is this weapon of intercession. You know, Ephesians 6, 18, we pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers because this pray breaks the power of darkness. And it's not just sitting, is it, in a, with a candle and, and, and praying. Maybe it is, but it's not just that. This is standing in the gap. It's bringing light into the darkness. It's knowing the authority that you carry, that the same the same spirit that conquered the grave lives in you and me. That when we go out of this building, when we walk the streets, when we go to our workplace and our schools and whatever it is, we carry the same power within us that defeated and defeats darkness. And so for some, you know, just start praying the Lord's Prayer, honestly. Just start praying the Lord's Prayer. It's a beautiful prayer that we've been given if you're new to any of this. But it's a, a fighting, it's a weapon that we've been given in, in prayer Allow your heart to be stirred as we're seeing uh, so much. Just allow the spirit to move you and to be broken as you, as you see the state of the world that will cause you to cry out. And ask him to give you the stuff to pray for. And what I would say is don't second guess when people or, or, or institutions or things come into your mind. Pray over them. Just don't second guess it. Be like, oh, it's in my mind. Why is it in my mind? Don't say that. Just pray. Give it to the Lord. Um, and like I said, make prayer your strategy. Don't shake hands with the enemy. Don't collude. Hate what is evil. Stick to what is, cling to what is good. If you see gossip, hate it. If you see people colluding and speaking lies over themselves, like, hate it. We don't want it. Okay, just to come into land then. Firstly, we recognize we're in a battle of more than flesh and blood. We surrender to his ways and to his strategies to fight it. We put on the Jesus clothes and know our authority that we carry. And we go, we pray, we walk, we are, we be. And the question this morning then is, will you join the army afresh? Will you join this army that he's raising up again? What does it mean for you in your life uh, to, to, to join it again, I think? And, and Matt was, Matt Proctor, who is this, who's our intercessor, as we know, here in, uh, at Trinity. He was, um, we were praying and, uh, and he just, pray sometimes where you're like, oh God, it's like literally from heaven. And, uh, and he basically said, he said, the enemy is going hard to oppress, to kill and destroy. He's going hard, relentless. He's not going to stop. Are we as the church, as relentless, as defiant for liberation and for good as Satan is for evil? I was like, oh, I need to go away and think about that. Maybe you need to go and think about that too. But shall we stand and pray?